What is up everybody? Welcome back. My name is Sean Sheehan and I am joined today by Brad Wharton. And what does it mean when I'm joined by Brad Wharton? It means there's a big Cage Warriors card coming up and it's Cage Warriors 157, Brad. And I don't know, has there been a bigger Cage Warriors card in a, in a long time? There, there, been, there been ones that have been up there with it, but I was looking through this uh, yesterday when I was preparing and watching a few fights, and I'm like, I don't really even need to watch a few fights for this. I know all of these lads, from Mick Stanton, James Webb, to Marcus Sharia's on the card, Skibinski, Flaminas, Jesse O'Holland's on the card, and that's even before we get to Linear Kavanaugh, before we get to Jordan Vucinic, before we get to Harry Hardwick, before we get to Will Curry. What a card this is, Brad. Ian Dean has done it again, has he? We should, we should have Ian Dean on here uh, patting him on the back, in fairness. Like, this is a, I'll, an be, I'll be sure to pass your uh, your kind words on to Ian Dean. I'm sure he'll be, uh, be delighted to uh, to hear that people are talking about him on the internet. Uh, if I know Ian. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Be delighted, he's, yeah. Uh, he's pulled a blinder. Um, this is a fantastic card. Like Every now and again, like a card comes around, and I just think to myself, you know, it'd be really nice to just call in sick and just watch this one. Just buy a ticket and stand at the back with a with a hood up or something, or just sit at home with a few beers because this is I I can't just full of sick fights. I you know I, I think fight for fight one of the best cage warriors cards in a long time. It is a hundred percent, and I think like in fairness. Uh- the UK and London in general, I think, has been a pretty tough uh, place to hold mixed martial arts over the last few years, unless you're the UFC. But I think Cage Warriors have kind of put themselves in that bracket as well in terms of filling out arenas, having, uh, if not filling out arenas, having big crowds, but also they do it by putting on cards like this. And I think this is no exception. Again, I think it's going to be a very, very good one. Obviously, Italy coming up the week after as well. I'll have you back on to talk about that one. And it's like the we, we spoke the last time with the hubs that Cage Warriors have for uh, for mixed martial arts is great now. But maybe that's a discussion for, for next week or maybe for another day because this card is so full. We could talk about it for a long time. And I want to start at the main event um, and Mick Stanton versus James Webb. And literally just before we came on here, I was like, you know what? I better go back and watch that fight again. And I did. And it was... It was an interesting fight because it felt. Do you know what it felt like to me watching back? It's like the apex of James Webb, and even though like it was it was a good while ago now, and you know James has had um, a, a good few fights since then. It's it's like exactly everything you want to see from James Webb, and you look at his his last fight. Obviously, he beat uh, Paddy McCrory after a couple of losses uh, in a row. It. I almost feel like for James Webb to get back to where he needs to get back to, he needs to produce the sort of performance he produced against Mick Stanton again. And it's funny because we just saw the Pandora fight, and that's kind of why I bring this up. That's what he was kind of able to do, you know. He produced it against this guy before. He was the champion. Now Stanton, obviously, is the champion, and James Webb is coming in as a challenger, having already beaten him. It's it's an interesting and very similar story to the one we just uh, we just heard last week, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I was actually just writing my uh, my preview for the Cage Warriors website uh, last night, and you know, one of the things I talked about was, you know, normally you when you have a high profile rematch like this, you're talking about who's got the the sort of mental edge going in, and you think, well, it's the guy who won the last fight, right? Because you know he, he's he's won up already on the scoreboard, but then you look at Mick Stanton, he's coming off the biggest win of his career against Will Curry, uh, just capturing the Cage Warriors title. He's on an incredible run of form at 185 pounds. I think he's his only losses of late have come uh, above uh, middleweight uh, when he was in the PFL. So his run of form at the moment is fantastic. So it's kind of even Stevens for me in terms of the mental edge. And, and I guess it all comes down to, you know, who's changed, who's grown 
uh, more since since they last met. And you know, I, I watched that fight back recently as well. And while James dominated that fight in the grappling phases for the most part, we did see a few little bits of the Stanton that we would see against Will Curry in that one. Stuff like giving up his back to get back to his knees to get up, up to a standing position, which which we saw uh, him him do a lot of in, in terms of giving up his back to get the reversal against Will Curry continuously throughout the five rounds. We did see that in the first James Webb fight. So are we going to kind of see the, the evolution of that? And are we going to see Stanton out grapple Webb? Or, or a big question for me is, are we going to see the old Mick Stanton here? Is Mick Stanton not going to want to challenge the guy who dominated him on the ground last time? Is he going to want to stand and bang? And then you think, well, hang on, James Webb, was a kickboxer before he got into MMA. So I'm sure he's going to be pretty happy to throw down as well. You know, he used to go uh, and train out in Holland at uh, Majiro Dream under Andre Manart. So neither of these guys, um, you know, are going to be wary of a stand-up fight either. So I, my, my kind of outsider pick for this one is that we're not going to see the kind of grappling-heavy contest that we saw uh, when Stanton fought Curry or indeed when Stanton fought Webb. I think we're going to see these two guys bang it out, at least for a little while. That's very interesting, and I, I, I don't, I don't know if that'll be right or wrong. I think it's one of those sides again. Like with the last time we spoke, the the, the other middle. If it's fight, right, it'll make me look like a genius. It, will, it? Yeah, it really will. <laughs> it really will. But I think an interesting point here is I think Stanton has nine fights since their last fight, and, and uh, Webb has only had four. And now you know we uh, we went through a pandemic and all in the middle of all that. So I suppose there are reasons for that, but. If you're looking at, like, closing the gap, I think that's a big part of it as well. But you mentioned the Will Curry fight there. And I think anyone watching that Will Curry fight, it was like a thing that maybe changed how they watched MMA a little bit because of the Kimura sweeps and the way he was able to get up against such a big, strong man in Will Curry who is on this card as well. And we'll, th- we'll talk about it a little bit later on. But you don't, you don't watch that fight and think Mick Stanton can't grapple with someone or can't get up off his back or is going to be dominated on the ground. Now, we know how good James Webb is there, but it's interesting. I think I mentioned this on a recent podcast as well, but the first time I interviewed James Webb, I remember con- continuously talking about how he's striking and he used to throw that right hand an awful lot. And then for the next four or five fights after that, he just wrestled in every fight. And I was like, hold on, uh, this guy can, can strike as well, but he just doesn't do it as much anymore. And, you know, maybe that's... Maybe that's leading exactly what you just said there. Maybe it will turn into that striker matchup, and I think that'd be exciting as well. Like in the first fight, though, um, Webb actually hurt him with a big knee to the body and dropped Stanton as well. So it's not as if oh, this is striker against grappler because Webb can, as you said, Webb can strike as well. I think it's a very, very interesting fight, and like I think for James Webb as well. Like, you couldn't help but look at him the last time and look at the size of him and like the, the shape he was in. I think like this guy is now kind of really attempting to get back to where he was in the championship picture and get back to running towards the UFC. And we know Team KF, the run that they have been on over the last few years. Like, obviously, they had Ian Gary who got to the UFC and then they parted ways, but they will want to produce another fighter and another fighter and another fighter who get to the UFC as well. And, like, James Webb has kind of been the the, the de facto captain, I suppose, of that team for a good while, and it's a big, big uh, opportunity for uh, for him. But, look... uh, uh, Stanton and and his part of the world in Liverpool, they know all about getting to the UFC over the next while as well. So it's it's a big opportunity. But uh, in in the middleweight division, Brad, like it's it's funny because there's been so many good middleweight fighters uh, in cage warriors over the last while. But not all. I know Christian Leyer Duncan maybe the exception. Not all of them have gotten to UFC, but a lot of them are kind of still there and still fighting each other. And like at one forty five as well, which we'll talk about in depth in a minute. That does it is a good thing for cage warriors, I suppose, because even after this, there are some good fights in the middleweight division, looking pretty healthy, isn't it? it? 
It's great, you know. A couple of years ago, you never thought you would have seen um, Matt Bonner versus Darren Stewart. Changed it up, you know, for me being a really fun fight. You know, I, I really enjoyed that last weekend. Um, of course, you've got the kind of unique situation now, whereby um, Stanton has a win over Darren Stewart recently. So, you know, is Darren Stewart going to get another crack at the whip? You, know, you could even say that the same with James Webb, in, in that you know, if Stanton wasn't champion, maybe Webb needed another win to get that title shot. But because he had that convincing victory over Stanton, uh, you know, he, he's now in this position. Uh, we would have had a situation if Matt Bonner had beaten Darren Stewart, where my Matt Bonner has got a submission victory over Mick Stanton. So there's a lot of fun stuff going on. Um, you know, I, I think if we didn't have a champion, it'd be wide open to have uh, to have some sort of tournament. Uh, and I think, you know, you, you've got Bonner, you've got Stewart, you've got Webb, you've got Stanton and a couple of other guys coming up as well. Um, you know, you you could maybe have these guys fight each other every weekend and get different results. So it's a fun time for for the middleweight division. I'm really looking forward to this fight. Let's talk about the the 145 pound division because I feel like we've done this three or four times in our previews, saying oh, this, these lads have fights coming up and all, but. This card is is really like <laughs> if we talk about tournaments, this is almost a one night tournament to see who the the, the second best maybe one forty five pounder or maybe the best one forty five pounder in cage or is at the moment because we have um we have Jordan Vucinic who you know was is probably one point five uh, in terms of the rankings in the moment with uh with Paul Hughes taking on uh, Bryce Michaud with Morgan Charrier against Diego Silva. And we also have Harry Hardwick, you know, who has been putting on some great displays over the last while. And look how good his brother has been as well against Victor Estevam. Uh, you know, I think Hardwick's kind of uh, run has maybe gone under the radar a little bit, you know, uh, winning four of his last five fights with the other one being a draw, beating some very good guys like Steve Amiable and John and Dye and all like that as well. And like, I think for a lot of people, for a while, he was kind of leading the race. Maybe doesn't have the name of a Sharia or a Vucinic in terms of, you know, the, the Cage Warriors fame over the last while, although the Hardwick fame coming together has definitely helped him as well. But what a time. Like, these three fights are really massive fights because we, we don't know what's going to happen with, with Paul Hughes. Like, I spoke to Graham um, a few months ago and he said, like, look, Paul Hughes was going to fight in that Dublin card, but there was an injury. And I think everyone's kind of like waiting for him to sign for the UFC. But if he doesn't sign for the UFC, one of these lads will probably be fighting for him. If he does fight for the UFC, two of these lads will probably be fighting each other. So it's massive for all three of them, I suppose, to go out and get wins here uh, in this 145-pound division. It's absolutely stacked, isn't it? It's ridiculous. It, it really is, you know. It's um, it, it's a big showcase for the featherweights. And I think a name, I don't want to say he's flying under the radar because he really isn't, but there's uh, there's one more featherweight fight we need to keep an eye on on this card, and that's Luke Riley versus uh, Mathis Malta. 100%. I mean, Luke Riley, uh, I would say maybe, maybe a win or two behind the likes of Hardwick, behind the likes of Vucenic, um, but you know he's, he's very, very young in his career. Um, I believe he's already um, eyeing up a fight on the Manchester card at the end of September. So you know you're potentially looking at, uh, at Luke Riley, who's six and zero now. Uh, if he wins and wins in September, he he could be going into a fight at the end of the year eight and zero. At which point you're saying, well, you know that's kind of you know that that's kind of title contention level. And obviously, like you say, it very much depends on what Paul Hughes is doing. Uh, of course, there's Tobias Harilla uh, in Cage Warriors as well. You know, he was originally going to have a fight on this card, but I believe he was injured. Um, but yeah, uh, Friday night is going to be absolutely huge uh, for the featherweights. I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, Morgan Charrier. I thought we got to see 
a slightly different side of Morgan last time. Um, you know, he got caught in that weird, uh, it's kind of like a, a, a weird triangle variation with his own arm stuck in. Um, but he was sort of answering the phone and then got his, his entire like, arm and um, a forearm wedged in. Uh, so seeing him kind of got that out and then just turn up the violence at, at the end of that fight and just smash the dude with ground and pound, huge elbows. Uh, you know, we, we used to seeing Charrier being the slickster. So it was good to see that a uh, little bit of venom in him. Now, the interesting thing here with uh, with his opponent is that uh, his opponent was actually brought in to Dublin. Uh, he was flown to Dublin as a uh, reserve fighter just in case uh, there was any issues with Morgan's opponent. Obviously, Morgan's had quite a few issues in, in recent years of opponents uh, either not making way or, or pulling out the fight very close. So Cage Warriors actually brought Diego in as, as a backup fighter. He made way and he was there ready to step in. Now, when Morgan had come out of the cage following his victory, there were words exchanged backstage, and I'll kind of leave it at that. I think uh, I think someone had been enjoying the pints in the old uh, three arena, and, and I'll certainly not fault anyone for doing that. But there were words exchanged, and, and these guys have had a little bit of back and forth on social media. So, you know, we see Morgan going into this fight with, uh, you know, this isn't just another opponent. He's uh, He's got a point to prove here, and, and so does Diego. You know, he, he, wants to, he wants to let the world know that he's not a backup guy. He's the guy who should have been fighting Morgan first choice last time. So... Very, very interested to see that. Um, yeah, Jordan Vucenic versus Bryce Picard. That should be a good one. Uh, Picard, a judo black belt, a karate black belt, uh, on a very good run of form at the moment. I think he's he's reeled off six straight in a row, I believe, coming into this one. So, uh, yeah, another really tough fight for Jordan. Uh, and as you say, uh, Harry Hardwick, I can't get enough of that guy. You know, how him and George don't have their own TV show and we have to watch... Love Island every night is beyond beyond me. You know, king, get those two guys, the get those two uh, guys on TV. The kings of Middlesbrough, that's what it should be called. I, I just 100%. Want, I just want to touch on on Shari again because, you know, his opponent uh, Diego Silva. Like you only have to look at his record. Two fights ago, he beat Askar Askar. A couple of fights before that, he beat Andres Sukumtad. He's been in there with Jay Perrin. He's had some very good opponents. Like, if you look at his record here, he's fought guys with 50 fights, guys with, you know, 5-0 and guys coming through, you know, 10-2 and guys coming through. Lots of fights against lots of good guys for lots of years. Like, and he's won, you know, almost all of them. He won't be a one bit afraid of, uh, about going in here with Sharia. And I think with Sharia as well, like he said, what is it, four fights in the last three years, which is... And you just mentioned the reason. There are a lot of people pull out of fights against him, injuries and different things. And look, two of them were losses to Vucinic and Hughes, who, you know, were the top two guys in the division. But he's two in a row now. Very close fights. Very, well. clo- Very close oh, fights. Absolutely. And like, I think that's the reason probably Paul Hughes isn't in the UFC because those three guys are so good there you know it's basically three draws or how many how many times they fought just draws of fights between them like they're just so absolutely close but that doesn't mean all of them are bad fighters that it means the exact fucking opposite in fact they're all very 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 good fighters and you know the UFC one wins and undefeated records and all we we've we've told that story a thousand times before but like i feel like sharia gets a good run like we we all know about the the fan base he has behind, and we even heard a few of them when it was on chart notice in in Dublin the last time. It's massive, but this fight is I don't know how much uh, you've watched of Silva yet. Obviously, still a few days out from it here, but it could be like Sherry is well rounded, and I I think uh, as you said there about the, the last fight being, you know, 
having to do a couple of different things, I think that'll benefit him and bring him on because I always look at Shari and think, right, he has the base of a very good fighter, very athletic, he's a good technical fighter, but he maybe needs a few of those fights to bring him on. And, he, you know, you had him against Fuchinik and he was, I know his fight against Daniel Bazant that was a, was a split decision as well, so that was relatively close, but... I think now is the time for Sharia to kind of kick on to the next level. And this is a very interesting test. Like, because you might be forgiven if you're Ian Dean or, or Graham Boylan for uh, looking like, oh, you have a star here. Let's give him a few easy fights and, and get him. But this well, well, never happens. This is the thing. If, if, <laughs> yeah. if, you're, if you're a guy like Sharia with that kind of fan base, that kind of popularity, that, that kind of star power, it all of a sudden becomes very easy for you to turn around to a promoter or a matchmaker and say, that fight's not for me. No, that fight's not for me. Until you get one that, you know, you're feeling pretty good about, you're feeling pretty comfortable about. Morgan's not that guy. Like, Morgan's coming in, uh, and, you know, this isn't just me with my Cage Warriors hat on. This, this is genuine from the heart. Morgan's coming in saying, no, find me, a, find me a tough guy. Like, find me, you know, I'm not... And this, and this is where the issues come in with, like, you know, we, we've talked about opponents getting injured late in the day. You can always find somebody but Morgan's not just wanting to fight somebody. He's wanting to have a proper fight where the win means something, where the win's going to improve him as a fighter, where it's actually going to look good on his record. You know, we, we see it all the time in the regional circuit all over the UK, Europe, and the rest of the world. If you're a big star and you can draw money and you can draw fans, you can get easy fights all the way to the UFC. Morgan's not that guy. You see that on his record. You know, he's, he's fought the likes of Soren back. Uh, early, early in his career, and he was happy to do so. He's not a guy who's bothered about winning and losing. He's a that guy who's worried about improving. But he's he's been very vocal about the fact that he knows there's a big UFC card coming up in France. Every fight counts now. Every win counts. And I think we're going to see Morgan put on a performance because he knows that if he can get through this guy the same way he got through the last guy, that's going to get eyeballs on him. Yeah, 100%. And I, I think there's proof on what you said there as well by the fact he'll just take lads on short notice like all the time because he kind of has to you know and even some of them fall out as well so look, look let's touch wood here none of that happens coming up this weekend and the fight is is all good um, I want to talk about Jordan Vucinic because that that fight against uh, Ferranti last time out and how he won it the way he won it I suppose on the ground getting the rear naked choke and all that it, it was phenomenal I thought it was really really phenomenal because you know, we, we talked about that beforehand and like Ferranti, I watched a few of his fights, that guy hit hard and to take that sort of fight against uh, him only, what was it, four months after the Paul Hughes fight and we all know, like, we all know how that Paul Hughes fight went in terms of the amount of damage that he took to come back and be brave enough to take that sort of fight. Like, I compared it to... Um, uh, I compared it to the Jose Aldo fight against Frankie Edgar after McGregor knocked him out. It would have been very easy to be gun-shy after a fight like that for Aldo. Same for uh, for Vucinic. And he comes out and he just is like, well, I'm not going to get hit here. <laughs> I'm just going to win this fight here. And I'm going to do it in a different way. Like, I Honestly, I think Jordan Vucinic, the way he walks out, especially in London, he's so cool and calm. He just seems like a cool guy. He's a guy you can really get behind. Doesn't really say much. Goes in there and does it. And I, I think he's a top fighter, and like I think it shows how good of a fighter Paul Hughes is as well. You know, they've beaten him. Obviously, they're they're one and one in in two close fights, or well, one close fight, and the second one wasn't that close. But I, I love Jordan Vucinic. I love Paul Hughes. I think both of those lads should be in the UFC, and and maybe have the trilogy in the UFC down the line. But for for Vucinic, like he, this has to be, I think, the the fight before another title fight. Like I think if he wins. He should be the leading contender because, like, I think he's kind of clearly the the next guy after Paul Hughes. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, obviously that the second Paul Hughes fight went the way it did. Um, you know, sometimes these things happen in MMA. Sometimes you meet a guy who's the better man on the night and, and that's what happened. And I'm sure Jordan's uh, perfectly at peace with that now. Like you say, took a, a risky fight last time because Ferranti was a guy, uh, a lot of hype behind him, hadn't really been tested yet. Um, but as we, you know, as, as we said, you know, the guy can clearly bang. He's a, he's a very talented kid and he's going to have a fantastic future. And I think that, you know, facing someone like Vucenic in the main event in London that early in his career is probably going to stand him in good stead as well. Um, but look, Jordan seems to be in an absolutely fantastic place. You know, he's got uh, a lovely young family. He's uh, He's got his own gym now. So he's doing He's got his own business in Corby. Uh, he seems to be in a very good place in his life. And, you know, a, a kind of relaxed, chilled out Jordan Vichenik to me is a dangerous Jordan Vichenik. You know, he, he doesn't seem like he's particularly stressed out about things. You know, he, he, he turned up for the last fight and he was saying like, oh, you know, new baby at home. I've barely slept and this, that and the other. And you're thinking, man, how can he fight? Like, how's, how's he going to perform in it in a start of this? But he was absolutely fine. And you see him walking out and, and high-fiving all the fans. You know, he, he's he's got that kind of star quality about him now, especially in London where, you know, everyone sings his theme tune when it when he walks out. It's become his song uh, in, in that venue in the Indigo. Um, so, yeah, I think this is a big moment for him. But look, he's got a tough test in front of him uh, in, in Bryce Bacall. You know, this, this guy is no joke. Uh, this guy's got grappling skills. He can bang. He's an experienced guy. He's been fighting a long, long time. He's um, he's in the armed forces as well, so you know he's going to be super fit, super disciplined. This is his lifestyle, um, and to come in on you know a big UFC weekend and submit or knock out Jordan Vichenik, all of a sudden this guy's name's at the top of the pile. A hundred percent. It's. Very interesting. Like we mentioned, Harry Hardig. You mentioned Luke Riley there. I definitely want to touch on him again. Because as, as you said, win another couple of fights and he's there, thereabouts. And like he's another guy, I think, in, in, a, in a couple of recent fights, he's had it kind of put to him. And, you know, he's had a, a few fights that have tested him. And, like, you look at his record and all the guys he's fought, like he fought 2-0 and guys, 6-4 and four guys. And the guy he's fighting, uh, Matthias Malta now, is 10-3. and three. So it's a... Again, a bit of a push-up against a guy who's a little bit, um, you know, more experienced, 27 years of age, has fought, you know, over in, in uh, obviously in Brazil, and he's fought some very, very good guys with, with lots of fights. Again, the type of push that he needs. But you look at Luke Riley and you think, you know, you, you see him in the background of those Paddy Pimblett vlogs all the time. You know, oh, maybe here's the next Paddy Pimblett coming through. The hair is a bit similar, but a different color. But I thought the style isn't similar, is it? Like he's a very good boxer, and he like he can grapple and he can he can wrestle and all of that. But I I there's some guys you look at cage wires and you see him early in their career. And there's another guy we're going to speak about next, Nadir Kavanaugh. He was the same. Another guy, Oban Elliott, who's going over to the, the the contender series. And I heard you saying the name and uh, of Oban Elliott early in, in a fight, and I'm like, that's an interesting name. Let's watch him. And you're about ninety seconds into the fight, and you go, okay, this guy's something special, you know. And Luke Riley, from the second I saw him, and you see Paddy in his corner area in his career, or Molly, and you see the the next gen guys behind him, you think okay, this is a guy we definitely need to pay attention to. And now he comes to this stage in his career where, what, what is he, 6-0 in his career? And you think this could be very, very special. And this is where the pressure, I think, comes on. And this is where it shows. Because, like, we've seen a lot of guys coming through in the UK and in Ireland as well. And they get the 6-0, and 7-0. And the next thing, they lose a fight and they lose two fights. And it's, you know, once that level changes... It's not always easy to do that. Now, I don't think that'll happen to Riley. I do think he'll, he'll keep going and keep winning because I think a lot of him. But 
it's a big moment in his career, isn't it? And he's, you know, he's fighting a guy with 13 fights, as I said, now he'll probably be fighting a guy with a name next, with a lot of fights, with a lot of experience. So it's, it's, it's shit or get off the pot time now for the likes of Luke Riley and Ian Dean is gonna, gonna, uh, gonna make that happen. It's, it's massive, isn't it, for him, this fight, especially to start that off. Yeah, absolutely. Look, the kid's a savage. You know, you look, you look back through his record uh, and you, you see the guys he's fought. The 2-0 and guy was Jack Eglin, who we just saw get a massive win over Rory Evans last weekend. Uh, Carol Cutier, who, who he fought, very, very good fighter, a lot better than his, uh, than his record suggests. Uh, Yuki Yang Denby out of um, Brad Pickett's team. Like, he's been fighting good guys consistently. And a lot of that's to do with the fact that he turned pro during the, uh, the pandemic era. So it was a case of you're going to have to fight someone on the K. George roster who's really good or you don't get a fight at all because there just wasn't, you know, there weren't regional shows for these guys to go and get three or four wins under their belt before they come up. So, you know, he's had these tough tests consistently. Um, You know, we saw him fight Callum Parker uh, late notice in Manchester earlier this year. And a lot of people were saying, you know, Riley's the favorite going into this one, probably rightly so. Um, Parker's sort of coming in uh, at late notice and then bang. Riley gets dropped in in the first exchange of the fight and all of a sudden he gets it put on him for a while and we ended up with, uh, for my money, what's going to be a clear uh, fight of the year contender when when we we pull those together at the end of the year for Cage Warriors. Just an absolutely wild three-round brawl. So now we've seen Luke Riley and, and how he operates under pressure. Now we've seen what he's like when he doesn't get things all his own way. Now he's getting a completely different test because Malta is a guy who's going to not be looking to strike with him, not going to be looking to be the faster guy to the punch. He's going to be the guy looking to get him on his back and seeing what he can do from there. Can he defend those takedowns? Can he get off the fence? Can he get up from underneath the guy? Can he get a guy off his back? Can he survive the submission attempts? It's another big test for Luke Riley. And if he comes out of this one, the way he's come out of previous tests, then look, you, you know, you, you maybe are seeing him take that step up next time and you know face a guy who's got you know maybe sort of championship level credentials or, or, or has been in that kind of level before uh, and, and then as I say by the end of the year if everything's still going right for Luke Riley he's potentially 8-0 and and then at that point you're looking at a title shot next year 100% I think the other side of that like and what I just talked about there from some guys they get to that level and they aren't able to climb I think Will Curry is probably that guy you know who got to the Christian Yaradunga fight wasn't able to get over it Climb back, won the four fights, got to the mixed standard fight, wasn't able to get over it. And now again, he, it must be so tough to reach that point, have to climb it again, reach that point and have to climb it again. And it's a massive fight for him to come back to get that, I suppose, get that climb going again for Will Curry. Because like, I know there was people looking at Will Curry thinking like, this guy's going to be the next star. I, I actually had one person reach out to me who was thinking like, oh, uh, who would be, uh, they were asking me who they, they should sponsor in Cage Warriors. And like, the first name they said to me, and this was maybe a couple of years ago, was Will Curry. Would this be the guy? And they were asking my opinion on it. So it's it's not as if he's flying under the radar or anything like that. People know about Will Curry and like, you know, he has the, the body shape and he has the size and he has the athleticism. It just, something needs to click. Now he's come up against two very good guys in Stanton and Christian Neary. I don't can make another mistake about it, but just the mental side of being able to start that climb again, it's it's huge, isn't it? Absolutely. But look, here's, here's the stat you need to Will Curry, right? 24 years of age. 24. He's a child. Do you know what I mean? Like, what, were people writing Paddy Pimble off at 24? No. Were people writing Colin McGregor off at 24 when he was losing? No. It is what it is. He's just had the misfortune. Look, any middleweight 
in Cage Warriors, who was around when Christian Leroy Duncan was around, yeah, yes, <laughs> you're gonna have a tough time, right? You Very know, he, he's, he's just an exceptional talent, uh, and Willis too, and you know he. He, he lost the fight against Stanton, which was a very close fight. I think everyone pretty much agreed uh, on, on two rounds for Curry, two rounds for Stanton, and, and then a, a, a swing round. Um, but he just made a few mistakes in that fight. And that's the kind of thing that you can teach a 24-year-old kid to figure out. He's got a great team around him. He's obviously training a lot with, uh, with Modestus, who's in the UFC. Um, as you say, people know who he is. He's got charisma. He's got the look. Um, yeah, we all saw, I believe it was John Anik uh, giving him a shout out on, on the UFC when Modesto yeah, sport because yeah. he was so vocal in the corner. So like people know this guy's name and they're keeping an eye out for him. Like, you know, the dude's massive. He's ripped. He looks like Ivan Drago. Um, when he gets, when he, when he puts it all together in the cage, which I'm sure he will, he's going to be the total package. He is facing another big boy though in uh, Jorge Bueno. This dude's a tank as well. Um, as, as soon as uh, as soon as I got sent this fight through, I had a big smile on my face. I was like, man, there's nothing more I, I love more than just two huge dudes just pummeling the shit out of each other. And I think this is exactly what this is going to be. Uh, Bueno's won uh, most of his fights via TKO. Big, strong dude. So's Will Curry. Only three rounds this time, so Will can put his foot to the floor. I think this is going to be uh, wild while it lasts. Yeah, I'm, look, I'm looking forward to seeing it. I, one thing you said, it's always fun to watch the Will Curry fights to see that next evolution as well. I love watching that with fighters. Uh, Brad, we're running out of time here, but I know that we're recording this a little bit early, so there's a few fights that still have to be made in a few, but I know Lonier Kavanaugh, I have to mention Lonier Kavanaugh, obviously he's looking for a new opponent and hopefully by the time this comes out, he'll have one. Um, he's such a talent and if anyone out there is looking for the next guy who's coming up who's only a few fights into his career in Cage Warriors, well, I'll tell you, that's the guy, Lonier Kavanaugh. He's absolutely brilliant. A word on Lanier, Brad, but anything else on the undercard there? I know there's there's some very good fights. We didn't, we didn't even touch on uh, on Flaminas. I, I mean, we're, we're going to have to give the cursory shout-out to O'Meal Brown, Jesse Holland, Jesse oh, aren't we? That's my fight at This is right up your street. <laughs> yes. and it's right up mine as well. Uh, look, two guys who are, um, you know, coming off what must have been pretty frustrating losses. Uh, Holland was obviously stopped by Madis Flaminas. Uh, O'Meal Brown lo- lost his, his last one and looked very frustrated with his performance. So both of these guys are going to be on it. And, and this is going to be one of your old school power puncher versus power grappler fights. Can't wait. It should be absolutely nuts. Uh, you've got Madis Flaminas versus Skabinski. That's going to be wild. That could be and number yeah, one contender fight as well. You know, Reese McKinney is looking for a fight uh, you know, apparently and all this. So later on. Yeah, you've seen on Graham Boyle on social media yeah. looking for a fight for the champ. So, you know, I, I know Madis really wants that fight. Um, so yeah, that, there's there's potentially a lot to look out for there, and, and as you say, uh, fingers crossed, um, Ian Dean's going to get Lana Kavanaugh a fight on this card. Gutted that he's not fighting Sean De Silva, that would have been absolutely insane. Hopefully, we'll see that somewhere down the line. But yeah, Lana Kavanaugh, uh, real life superhero, the stuff he does in the cage, absolutely nuts. Uh, bandwagon jumpers. Get jumping now. Now was the time. Uh, Andy Stevens will be on it next week. <laughs> no, no, Andy was there earlier. I know. I, I, my guy, you know, Neil has been on it. I think before he even turned pro. So, but it's a. I'll tell you what. It's a good bandwagon to get on because he, this guy, is is unreal. But yeah, like, I just want to make uh, quickly again because that Emil Brown just your Hallify. Like, I was so surprised and and well, not surprised to see uh, uh, Jesse Harlan lose to Matters Flaminas, but I was surprised to see him lose to anyone, honestly. I thought he was just going to run through that division, run through and get to the UFC and all, but that's what happens when you're put in there against a guy like Matters Flaminas. Ask my guy Oban Elliott exactly about that and ask 
asked three or four other lads exactly about that as well. But like ugh, again, I cannot wait for that fight. I think it's going to be a banger. And like Skibinski against Flamin is like I. Skibinski, he beat O'Neill Brown last time on, as you mentioned. He was on, you know, an unlucky run before that, I suppose, after he came into the uh, into the Cage Warriors uh, route. And I was like, Jesus Christ, this guy's going to be a tough for a guy for a lot. And it's funny because, you know, I'm covering a lot of, like, the European cards leaders in different promotions. And I'm looking at fights and I go down to a lad's record. And I was like, oh, there's Skibinski. There's Skibinski. <laughs> this guy's fought everyone and all of the, the uppercomers and all the guys at every promotion is signing around Europe at the moment. And a guy like that for a uh, promotion like Cage Warriors is absolutely brilliant because, like, it's easy for you indeed to throw any his next guy in there, right? I'm going to see how good you are. You can fight this guy, and uh, he's done it with a few of them so far, and it's it's unbelievable. But this card is unbelievable. I absolutely cannot wait for it to see your phrase, unbelievable. Um, and uh, we're looking forward to Friday night, Brad, over in London. The UFC coming back as well. It's always a great weekend for Cage Warriors. Thank you very much for joining me. I appreciate it. And everyone tune in to, to Fight Pass on, uh, on Friday night. We leave it there from me, Sean. That was Brad. Thank you very much for watching.